Welcome back to another episode of Celibate in the Suburbs. You will never fucking believe what just happened to me. I started recording this intro to this episode and my computer does this new fun thing where it dies at like 40% and it did that in the middle of me recording the intro. And so I just lost the intro that I recorded. So now I have to do it again. Anyways, welcome back. We're talking about To All the Boys 3 with Monique again. Well, not again. This is the first time you're hearing To All the Boys 3, but we're talking about To All the Boys again with Monique. Uh, We talk about our top five's favorite moments from the movie, Um, and I also tell probably one of the most cringy and embarrassing and absurd first date stories in the history of first dates, maybe. If you read the blog, it's up on the blog too, but uh, I also just tell it. Um, on this podcast, and it's pretty fucking funny when I tell it, if I do say so myself, so um, sit back, relax, enjoy. Oh, my sweet Wesley, what have I done? I'm also just a girl, standing in front of a boy, asking him to love her. You're a lady. You're lots of lady. You're once, twice, twenty times a lady. I like you. Very much. Uh, apart from the smoking, and the drinking, and the vulgar mother, and the verbal diarrhea. No, I like you very much. Just as you are. All right, we are back with Monique De Silva. It is the third and final to all the boys I've loved before podcast episode. I'm ready to talk about the third one. However, before we get into that, I do have a story to tell. It is very rom-com-esque. Um, and I've told everyone the story. Not everyone. I've told a lot of my friends the story. Everyone's reaction has been a lot of laughter, a lot of cringe, a lot of that's a rom-com moment. Monique, you can't see Monique right now, but she, she, I have already told her this story. And I told her I was going to retell it on the podcast. She is covering her face because she is laughing so hard <laughs> because she knows she has two hands over her mouth <laughs> trying not to laugh because she knows the story so i went on a first date yesterday i matched with him on bumble he's a very nice boy um we went to a restaurant in boston it was all well and good talks yada yada, yada. we're going to leave i'm gonna preface this by two we went to leave and he's like, do you want to go like for a nice walk? And I was like, yeah, sure. Cause at the beginning of the night, it was beautiful out. It was like high forties, but I like, I had a nice jacket on cute outfit, whatever. And we go walking and we're in like by the garden. So I was like, like, we just kind of moseyed around the second we start walking a basic, basically a tornado hits. There is wind swirling. You know, when wind is going and like dust is getting in your eyes. Yes the skirt I was wearing was a wrap skirt and like a real wrap skirt. So it's literally just one giant piece of fabric that you wrap around your body and tie. I had to hold it with one hand, but then it was so windy. My, my jean jacket, my denim jacket was falling off of my body. So then I would let go of my skirt to fix my jacket and my skirt would fly open. So I was like, I can't, I need to go. We can't do this. And I was like, this is not happening. It's a tornado. Wizard of Oz is about to happen and I can't be here. So we walk back and 
we're ordering Ubers. Why we order two separate Ubers, Ubers, I do not know. We live in the same part of the city. So I don't know why we ordered two, but we did. We're standing there and I have, I'm standing next to him because it's cold. My phone is open. I'm looking at thing, looking at like the Lyft app. And I, he, his Lyft gets there first. So he goes to hug me. And I'm like, oh, bye, like, nice to meet you. Like, well, let's do this again sometime. The post-date things. And I lifted my head up, I think, to say goodbye again. <laughs> and he, as, we're wearing masks because we're outside and it's COVID and we're being nice people. And he, at some point, had taken his mask down and I guess was going to kiss me on the forehead. I looked up, but he was already in motion. So he kissed me on the lips, but on the mask. <laughs> so he kissed my mask. So I lost my shit. I like turned around. I was laughing so hard. I was like, oh my God. And he was like kind of standing there and he was like, oh, um, uh, 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 like I, I'm going to go. Like, I don't want to keep this guy waiting. I was like, oh my God, like, hold on. Like, let's do this for real. And I took my mask down and like actually kissed him. But then he left, and I was like, what just happened? <laughs> and then, Monique, 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 the best part, the best part. So I had mentioned earlier, my phone was open looking at the Lyft app, and I was, like, I was, like, his arm was, like, around me. Like, I was underneath him. Like, he was looking at my phone. I get a text from one of my friends, and I my, my notifications are on. You can fully read text messages on my phone, because I guess I'm a crazy person. I should really, after this, I should really turn that feature off. It, get a text, it's from my friend Rachel, and it says, did you guys kiss? He reads it. <laughs> and he, he, I'm assuming he read it, and then immediately that happened. <laughs> so that's my rom-com moment. Whenever there's a COVID rom-com, and that, that moment needs to be in there. Like that... Netflix. It definitely will. Let me write that scene. Because so that's my rom-com moment of the week. I guess. It was so cringy, hysterical, <laughs> terrible, not good post-date thing. Really funny though. It's really, really funny. It's really funny. So I'm laughing at it. I don't know if he's laughing at it. We haven't talked about it. I kind of feel bad, but I'm also like, it was funny. Like objectively, it was funny. Well, you also laugh about a lot of things in your life. So. I do. I, I do make. I like if it happens to me, I'm like, that's a joke. That's funny. So, just know that dating during Corona, loving the time of Corona, it's tough. It's tough out there, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go kissing masks. Or maybe do go kiss and mask. That's probably the COVID safe way to do things. <laughs> Anyways, to all the boys three, let's get into some more cringy romance content. Let's do it. This is the third installment of the To All the Boys movies. Um, it is directed by Michael Femenaganari, sure, who wrote the second, who directed the second one rather. Um, written by Katie Lovejoy, who 
did not write the second one. So all three, so the first movie was directed by Suzanne Johnson and written by Sofia Alvarez. The second movie was written by Sofia Alvarez. The third was written by this Katie Lovejoy. So, and you can kind of, like, there's disconnect between the three. You can yeah. tell. Um, so that's interesting to me. They, they also filmed two and three back to back. So I don't really know why they had a new writer come on. Um, seems yeah, that's tough. weird to me. Because the third one is very different than the second. Yeah. And we all know how much we hate the second. We don't like the second one. If you haven't listened to our episode regarding the second one, we did our top five least favorite things from the movie. Mm-hmm. So go give that a listen if you have not already. Um, but we're going to do, we liked this one. So we're going to do top five. Um, so Monique, as the guest, as usual, you get to start us off with your number one. Okay. I love the Korea trip that they take in the beginning. I think it's really cute that they like kind of go back to their roots basically like kind of get more connected with their mom mm-hmm. they do some pretty cute things like some fun things they go out shopping mm-hmm. sightseeing and then they go and look at the lock that their mom and dad put like when they were first dating on the bridge and they find it oh it's so cute so i'm gonna interrupt you just because that my number one is them finding the lock so we can just kind of combine this yeah combine it so there's and this is there's a lot of these like lock bridges in different places like I know there's one in Paris like it's a thing that people do is you put a lock on a place like a padlock a bridge, like, yeah. a bridge I don't know and you write your initials on it with the person you love and like it's supposed to signify that like you're gonna love them forever and so when Lara Jean's mom had gone to Korea after she met the dad the dad was not on this trip so Lara Jean's mom never told the dad what the lock said she was like it i put it on there it has her initials i wrote a quote on it i'm not telling you what the quote says so when they go to korea they're like look it's a really cute scene of them like looking around they know it's a yellow lock because she took a picture with the lock and so they're looking around they're looking around and Lara Jean finds it and it has their initials on it and then on the back it says for the rest of my life I'm like getting teary-eyed, like just thinking about it. And if you don't remember, Lara Jean's mom is dead. Oh my god, you're crying. I'm literally crying. It's so sad, but so like it's like not happy, but like she did love him for the rest of her life. Like they were together for the rest of her life. Like she died knowing that this man loves her. she's literally in tears <laughs> so emo <laughs> so they so then to cap it off the three girls and the dad put on a new yellow lock with all of their initials on it and they attach it to that lock and it's a really like it's really nice like it's a really beautiful moment I, yeah I loved it it's so good I cried the first time I watched it I cried the second time I watched it I'm crying talking about it <laughs> so that's the whole Korea trip it's also the the Korea trip itself is beautifully shot like yeah. it's a really cool um like way that they shot the whole trip like I don't know if it was actually filmed in Korea do we know? I think so. I think they did actually go. Um, 
I might be wrong. But it's beautiful, and they, uh, like, it's just really cool the way that they do it. And I will say, there's technically a musical number, because at the beginning, when they're in Korea, they're, the three Song Kavi sisters are doing karaoke. Mm-hmm. So, checklist item. Check. Check. Musical number, technically speaking. So, we love that. I loved the Korea trip, um, but mine was, uh, it's the for the rest of my life. It, like, specifically the quote, the for the rest of my life, because I think it really just, like, kind of summates, like, the love that her they parents had. had. Yeah. And, like, juxtaposed with the love that, the very high school love that Lara Jean and Noah Centineo have I'm reading I'm like really analyzing that way too much but you are (laughs) Monique number two go okay my number two is when Lara Jean Chris and Jen go to the New York party the NYU party Mm -hmm. you kind of have like their own night and they have fun and it's like kind of the first time that Lara Jean is having like the most fun she's ever had Mm -hmm. without Peter Mm -hmm. which I really like because I feel like all the fun moments she's had so far have been like with her siblings or Mm -hmm. with Peter but this is like her moment and it's Mm -hmm. like I could fall in love with this place Mm -hmm. I love it's very like I don't know it reminds me of just like girl movies like just chick Mm -hmm. flick it was a very like chick flick scene like they make these new friends like you like you go to a party and you make those friends like they're the like you're drunk and I mean, I don't know if Lara Jean was drunk, but <laughs> you just, you meet these friends out at a party and you might never speak to them ever again, but you're like, those are fun people. They steal the couch. They know yeah. nothing. They just know that the ex-boyfriend will give it back. And they're like, we're fucking taking this couch back. Which is something we'd probably do. We, I'm sh- well, I guess we are not rich enough to have our own couches. Sure. Um, that was a nice ass couch too. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful, like plush velvet pink couch. It's beautiful. That, also, uh, that scene also shot beautifully. Yeah. Also, that party is, like, the nicest place I've ever seen. I'm like, what? I mean, I guess people in NYU have money. Mm-hmm. But maybe. it's literally the most beautiful rooftop I've ever seen. I want to go to a rooftop party. How do we? <laughs> Post-COVID, let's go to a rooftop party. Um, yeah, I really like, it, we talked about this in the last two episodes, too, but the growth of Lara Jean Mm-hmm. as a person it like obviously this is the last and final movie like obviously we're gonna see it the most in this movie but like you can really tell like she's becoming her own person for the first time yeah. like she's not relying on her sisters or a boyfriend or like even chris like she's making these decisions for herself yeah. for the first time ever which is really nice so um, my number two, which is going to tie into, I think your number three, um, cause Monique already told me her top five, <laughs> um, but I, and I wrote a blog about this, Peter's reaction to finding out that Lara Jean did not get into Stanford, Stan, Stanford, Stanford mm-hmm. is so fucking good. You expect she's all stressed out about it um she obviously accidentally told him that he she did get in um which is like 
hysterical. Like I've sent the wrong text to people before like that. One of my tops. It, it's a miscommunication. And it's very, she obviously does not fix it right away because she's like, what the fuck? But she finally tells him and his first reaction is not, why did you lie to me? What, uh, what are we going to do? It was, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Like he then, I will say, but in his defense, I think Lara Jean did want to go to Stanford like really badly. And the idea was to tra- like her, she would have been okay with transferring before she had seen NYU. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, you can, tra- like, you can transfer after a sem- like after a year, like it'll be fine. But his first gut reaction was to ask if she was okay. And I think, especially with high school boys, like you expect it to be like me, me, me. Like, yeah, he's very emotionally intelligent. Most mm -hmm. boys are not. No, it's amazing. And that you can tell it, like, it's written by a woman. Like, Jenny Han wrote Peter Kavinsky originally, and then all three movie adaptations written by a woman. All of the written words that Peter Kavinsky says are very clearly written by a woman the direction is very obviously directed by a man yeah you can t- his movements his reactions to things that is very clearly from a man's perspective but the written like literal words that he's saying you can tell came from a woman at some point mm-hmm. i love it it's so good which is that is that actually your number was that your three or your four my number three is how okay, cute yeah. peter is in the movie He's really cute in this movie. And Can just I, like, Peter Kaminsky is so cute that I forget that Noah Centineo was like a crazy person. So when we watched this movie, me and Monique, I watched it at my apartment. Monique was home. We watched it via Zoom together. Um, COVID safe, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and Monique had a quote that I wrote down because I was like, we need, <laughs> we're going to need to talk about this. She said, and I quote, Noah Centineo is so cute in these movies, I forget that he's insane. I do, like... And you do! That's why in the first movie, the world fell in love with Peter Kavinsky, and then we found out who Noah Centineo was, and we were all upset. We were all upset, yeah. Why did he have to speak? I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, yeah, Peter Kavinsky is super cute. It's really nice. Um, so... I also think, like, throughout this movie, it, you can't, like, you're not even mad at Peter. No. Like, his reactions to everything that's happening are, like, pretty normal, and it's, like, you get where he's coming from. Like, they're both going in different directions. Yeah. He's never really a jerk about anything. And you can tell even when he wants to be a jerk, he's not being a jerk. Yeah. Like when she gives him his her yearbook and is like, like write me something in this, and he's like, you only write in yearbooks with people you don't know. And the second she's like, well, like I want you to write my yearbook, he's like, "Uh, okay, like I'll do it. Like Mm -hmm. he like he's verbalizing that it's a weird thing to do, which I don't think it's a weird thing to do, but he's also like, he's like, okay, you want this from me? Like I will give that to you. Mm -hmm. I wrote like all the people in my like my best friend wrote in my yearbook. My, yeah. my best friend wrote, I'll text you later in my yearbook. All and my I've, been, I've been texting her later ever since. <laughs> All my friends wrote in my yearbook. Yeah, like I think it's a very normal thing to do. Because you want to remember, like, a big thing that Lara Jean is grappling with is, like, I want to remember these times. And 
Peter's like, why are you going to forget me? Which odds are these people will not stay together forever. Mm-hmm. However, even if they do and they're old, do you, do you want to be able to look back and be like, remember this time in high school? Look at this literal proof we have. Like, yeah. I think that's nice. Like you want to rem- it's not re- remembering him. It's remembering the moment. Yeah, but I think the way that they both kind of communicate that with each other is kind of, again miscommunication. Yes, I agree. They neither of them are communicating correctly. Neither of them understand what the other one is saying. So I get that. Um, my number three is Chris and Trevor. Chris and Trevor are maybe it's because I love. Um, Ross Butler. Ross Butler. I love Ross Butler. I do too. Um, but I love them together because one of my favorite tropes in TV and movies and in real life is the couples where one of the couples is like very like high energy, like loves people, people person, like super social popular. And the other is kind of like a like doesn't want to socialize with people like very like introverted but in like a moody emotional sort of way not in like a not in like a large like nerdy sort of way mm-hmm. like in like a chris doesn't like people but in so my one of my favorite romance tropes is like i don't like people but i like you yeah and chris likes trevor and it's just really cute and it's a really cute like comparison between them and Jean and peter because they're just like so different but like it's still both so high school yeah it's more like peter and lara jean are like very much into each other and then chris and trevor are like i like the thrill of a chase but with mm-hmm. you yes and like at one like i love their prom proposal like it's she has to get dared to go to prom like that's the only way she wants to go to prom but then like you can tell when she gets there like she's having fun like and then she, Chris has a quote where, I don't know the exact words, but she says, it's after Lara Jean says her and Peter broke up. And she's like, well, I don't, like, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but like me and Trevor got together last night. Like, it's like, how is it that I'm getting a boyfriend while you're breaking up with yours? Like, how is that happening? I think it's really like, I'm glad, like, I'm like almost glad they put that in because it's very like, you can tell the two differences between the two characters, like mm-hmm. in that moment. Like, Chris yeah. is the one who doesn't want a boyfriend, and Lara Jean has wanted one this whole time. So, it's really cute. They're just so cute. I love them. I, and I really like, love Ross Butler. I, I love that boy. He's so cute. He's in so many things. Did I you feel know? like he's, he's on in, that Netflix, like... He's in Teen Beach Movie, too. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. I, I watched Teen Beach Movie, too, for the first time. Um, he's in that terrible haircut. He's a terrible haircut in the movie. It's like long and like floppy. It's it's not good. It's really. I feel like all boys went through that yeah. hair phase. So it was, it was bad. It was it was tough. But um, what is what are you, you on four? Yeah. Okay. What's your number four? It's um Peter's like contract slash love letter that he writes in her um My- in her yearbook. Mine is also, my number four is also new to contract. It's so cute. Like, he talks about their meet cute and how he's like, no matter what, like, we'll get through it and I love you always. It is genuinely 
one of the better rom-com endings. Like, because if you look at all three of these movies together, like if you look at it as one giant rom-com, like that, this is the end of their story. Mm-hmm. And it starts with a contract, it ends with a contract, but it's like a new contract. Version, yeah. And it's so fucking cute. It's so cute. And like the scene itself is really beautiful because it's like, like all the wedding stuff is still up. So like they're like, it's very like beautiful, like in her backyard. And I love the way Kitty Kitty's like, ah, you forgot something outside. I know. She's such a little like schemer. <laughs> she's like, I need you to be together. She's like, you forgot something outside. And Laura Jean's like, okay, I'll get it in the morning. She's like, no, go right now, now, <laughs> now, right now. <laughs> it's so cute. It is cute. It- <laughs> it's a really good ending like and it's just like it's perfectly high school yeah it's perfectly netflix rom-com it's it's just a good good ending good ending yeah and the contract itself is really nice yeah it was really cute good job peter oh god i was so thirsty (laughs) I'll cut that out. So are you on number five since our both number four are the same thing? Yeah, so buddy, you can go. You can hit me with your number five. Okay, so my number five is that Laura Jean actually goes to NYU and kind of decides to kind of follow her own future and not follow Peter to school. Mm-hmm. I think, again, the movie, yes, while about her love with Peter, is also very much like Lara Jean is the main character of this movie and she needs to grow. Mm-hmm. And boy, did this girl grow. She grew her little wings. I know, she's and like, Keith, I'm going to be 3,000 miles away. I don't even know if that's 3,000 miles, probably like 300,000 miles. It's definitely not 300,000 miles. Let's <laughs> give it a Google. How, fa- how far is NYU from Stanford? We now interrupt this program for a quick fact check. It is 2,935.4 miles. It would take you 43 hours to drive there. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Um, time but they kind of end it like we have, like, we're Peter and Lara Jean, nothing can break us, and now we can write love letters to each other. Yes, I love that she's like, and what's the best thing for long distance? Love letters. Love letters. Cute starting where we came from i also think this is where we can talk about the book so in the book the schools that they're deciding between are like three hours away three hours away so he's going to like the state school that everyone wants to go to mm-hmm. kind of like the umass amherst of yeah virginia. isn't it like you it's like university of virginia or something like a, i think it's a little different of that brand and she goes to north carolina right I think so. And I so, love... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, she goes to North Carolina, and then they kind of have a bigger fight about yeah. her going to a different school. But then they're like, oh, it's fine. It's only three hours. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, it's like, no, 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 no. They need to be like... There's a three-hour time difference. <laughs> it gets the drama. I don't also, know. because in movies, only Ivy Leagues exist. Yeah, who 
Peter Kaminsky would not be going to Stanford. Let's be freaking real. No. No. Like, to play lacrosse? No. 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 No, 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 no. I like in the books, um, one of my favorite book moments is Chris, because she doesn't want to go to UNC, because she's like, I haven't seen it, blah, blah, blah. And it's very similar to when, like, the NYU, they get the same vibes when they go to NYU. Mm -hmm. But Chris kind of kidnaps her and they just drive all the way to the school and she's like sitting there looking at it and she's like, I can picture myself here. Like I can just see myself thriving here. Um, and it's a really like nice moment for her and Chris. Um, and it's, it's nice because it's like character development of her being like, I, yeah. I can be my own person. I don't need Chris because Chris isn't going to be here next year. I don't need Peter. Peter's not going to be with me all the time. Like, I can be my own person. So, I like it. I think it's a, I think that's, like, a big, like, high school step. Like, it's very high school. Like, yeah. Because when you're in, when you're a senior in high school, the only people you know are from your fucking hometown. Yeah. Like, you don't know anyone else. And, like, going to another school, like, going to another place and making your friends is fucking terrifying. And especially in Laura Jean's case, she has... Like, I mean, she has more friends, obviously, by the end of the first, the third movie. But she, realistically, like, her closest people are her sis, her sisters, who she won't be near. Her best friend, Chris, who's going to be in Costa Rica. And Peter, who's going to be in, at Stanford. So, yeah. like, it's justifiable that she's... Also, you know what I didn't really like that they added in the movie? And this is also a little thing that I hate about people going off to college and movies and TV is that she's like, I'm going to miss everything. Like I'm going to miss Marco and Kitty. And she kind of says it in a way that she's like, never going to see them again. Yeah. And I'm like, you know that there's breaks that you come home for. Yeah. And there's a whole three months in between each year that Mm -hmm. you literally have to go home if you don't live Mm -hmm. near the school. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like you're never going to see them again movies and tv shows really like to make the move to college dramatic and i think it is dramatic like it, it's obviously like a huge change like i remember like i was really emo when i first went to school but like you do realize very quickly that you, i guess like in her case she's not gonna be able to go home until like thanksgiving maybe christmas mm-hmm. but that's like you don't by that time it's almost like you don't want to go home you're like assimilated yeah. like you you have your friends at this point like you're excited you want to be there you want to drink you want to party you want to do things that like you can't necessarily do in your hometown um so and also her sister margo's already been gone she's seen margo go to college in europe yeah and come home so I, I, <laughs> so her being like i guess it's like she is just a dramatic person but it's always the same thing like I'm never gonna see these people again I'm like no you will probably see them mm-hmm. when you go to like the target when you're home because that happens yeah like you'll be fine you'll survive um so on that note my number five um I had been I rewatched it the other day and I've been struggling to come up with a number five but this conversation really solidified I love Kitty's like reactions in this movie like the way that you kind of 
watch her dealing with the fact that now both of her older sisters are going to be gone. Mm -hmm. Like she is the baby by a lot. I think she's like 12 in this movie, 13. Like she is a good chunk of time before she goes to college. I think it's like, like me and my siblings, like my brother was a fresh, like a freshman by the time, like I was, I was only a senior. Like we were, it was very quick for him to go to college after I went to college. Whereas Kitty, like, is now going to be home by herself for four years. Yeah. I guess three years if Margot comes back. But it's kind of, like, fun. Not fun, because it's kind of upsetting, because she's kind of sad. But, like, the way she's kind of, like, a bitch to Lara Jean. Like, she's really, like, kind of angsty. And, like, it's a different Kitty. She's kind of going through, like, the stages of grief before, like, losing her sibling. Yeah. And then it, like, all accumulates? Accumulates. Accumulates? That sounds incorrect, but we'll go with it. It all all ends (laughs) with her telling Lara Jean, she's like, you know, when I said I wasn't gonna miss you, like, of course I'm gonna miss you. Like, I'm, like, you're my older sister. Like, I'm gonna fucking miss you. She doesn't say fucking. Yeah. Like, and then she also, like, love her little relationship with day like it's really cute like she's like she's got a boy now um she's trying new things she's watching baseball i love when her dad says katherine song has discovered boys god bless them Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know she's just gonna be like she's she likes what she likes she's gonna get what she wants like she's Mm -hmm. not gonna let no boy like tell her what to fucking do um, and I also really like the way that very subtly they introduce what's the neighbor's name, the fiance? Um, Trina. Trina. They like introduce her not as a mother figure. Cause it like it's it's a very subtle, like she's dealing, she's trying to treat these kids like with like the boundaries of like, I'm not going to replace your mom, mm-hmm. but I am marrying your dad. And so she's giving them, like, advice. Like, she gives Lara Jean some, like, really good advice about Peter. She's like, enjoy, like, you have a really hot, nice boyfriend. Like, enjoy it. Like, stop wallowing and being sad about it. Like, enjoy it. Like, have fun. Like, even if you are going to break up, like, have fun now. Um, And she gives, like, she kind of, like, Kitty says something really rude about Lara Jean. Like, Lara Jean's being, like, very type A about the wedding. And Kitty says something like, don't take it out on us just because you think you and Pete are going to break up. And Trina's like, you didn't have to say that. Like, that's not, like, I, yeah. we all know it's true, but that, like, you didn't have to say that out loud. And you kind of see, like, the, the dad and Trina are really good actors. Like, I mean, we knew John Corbett was a good actor, but, like, they both, like, he's just kind of like, hmm, like, that's yeah. my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, like that was a good that was a good motherly that was a good moment. moment. Yeah, yeah. So I guess my, my fact, like Kitty, just in this movie. But I also I honorable mention. I like Trina. I like Trina in this movie. I think she does yeah. like a good job of. Also, one thing about Trina on the topic of her is that in the books, Margot like really does not like Trina at first. Mm-mm. She like kind of has the feeling that she's trying to replace not only her mom but Margot herself because yes. Margot's kind of like the mother figure of the house 
Which, so Margot was like very on edge around Trina. They do make a they reference it once. It's after Lara Jean comes back from the New York trip. She's FaceTiming Margot, and it's a little split screen. It's really funny to see like Margot's putting away her clothes all neat and like proper, like folding them, and Lara Jean literally picks her suitcase up and dumps it on the floor. Um, but Margot's like don't you think she's like like it doesn't feel recognizable anymore like she's replacing things she's replacing mom and Lardine's like no like it's nice like isn't it nice um in the book you get a lot more of that because Margot's not there she's in college like she's not seeing Trina interact with her dad like she's not seeing Trina interact with Lara Jean and Kitty like she's not interacting with her so to her it's this huge new thing that the band-aid's getting ripped off but for Lara Jean and Kitty it's always been there yeah and for her too I think it's Trina in the movie they look like the same age but in the book Trina's younger Mm -hmm. like a lot younger Mm -hmm. than but not by that much no but there's a big age difference between like the dad and Trina and so Margot kind of has this like not hate towards her but kind mm-hmm. of like animosity against her mm-hmm. yeah it's again you can't capture everything from a book and put it into a movie unfortunately yeah. on the topic of trina and the marriage um one of my like favorite scenes is the literal transition from i don't even know what's happening before into um drawn oh, corbett peter drives away P- yeah so peter's driving away and john corbett's proposing and so as Peter's driving away past the window of Trina's house, you can see um, John Corbett proposing. I gasped the first time I saw mm-hmm. it. Like I audibly was like, <gasps> it was like, it was just really cute. It was cool. Like it was it like, was, you knew what was going to happen. It was cut in like a nice way. Yeah. But it was a fun kind of like, this thing is going to happen. Cause the wedding is kind of like, that's like the end of the movie. Like that's like the, mm-hmm the big event at the end um but do you have any other honorable mentions i guess because we finished our top fives that's everything um no i think that was it for me yeah this Overall, one was like i would say the first one was the best yeah this one was in second place and then obviously the second one was yeah, i agree terrible. i think the addition in the book the addition of john ambrose is presented more in a conflicting way mm-hmm. um it's a lot more to do with like he, he's around a lot more like they're hanging out as friends yeah like a lot more like in a group setting and so that problem makes a lot more sense whereas the first and the second movies are very much just about Lara Jean and Peter's relationship like the third like the drama in it is like them like it's yeah. their choices and their decisions as opposed to like another person yeah So they, like, kind of, these two really flow together um, a lot nicer than the second one does. Yeah. Also, um, if you are a fan of books, like, movies that are based on books, I recommend the books. The books are really good. The books are really, really, they're really, really good. I hiccuped. That was not fun. (laughs) Jesus Christ um but I they're really quick reads too like I think I read them in like four days you can kind of just plow through them so highly recommend the books 
there's more drama in the books where it kind of it kind of highlights their relationship more Mm -hmm. that it's kind of a lot to put into a movie so you don't really get that in the movie but it's a good read each book too they don't wrap the books up nicely until the third one the first and second books aren't wrapped up nicely like you have to read the next one to figure out what happens Mm -hmm. which like it's something that Jenny Han does very well I think like in the summer I turned pretty too like you want to keep reading like I know Monique did want not want to read the third book (laughs) she has this way of like I, I read a lot of romance books obviously and romance books can tend to be very boring because not a lot of things are happening. Yeah. But if you're a good writer, you can get people to want to keep reading. And like these books make you want to keep reading. Like she is a fantastic writer. So highly, highly recommend them. I don't know who, I think, I don't know who has my copies. Someone has my copies. If you're listening to this podcast and you have my copies, I think I said this before. Enjoy. Enjoy, yeah. <laughs> Read it. Read it again. Yeah. Um, so in terms of ratings, 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb, 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, there was no Metacritic, but we had a 3 out of 5 on Common Sense. I don't, I've never heard of that one. It's usually Metacritic that shows up. So when I get these ratings, I literally just put into the search bar on Google, To All the Boys, Always and Forever, and then on the right-hand side of the screen, it, oh, it has all of them. Um, and then it has the Google user. So 88% of Google users like this movie. So lower than the first, higher than the second, um, but only by a little bit. Um, the first was a 7.1 on IMDb. The third was 6.3. And the second was 6 out of 10 on IMDb. So kind of similar. That makes sense. Um, we mentioned this before but the, in terms of the checklist there's a musical number we're counting it it is funny like there's some pretty good comedic moments mm-hmm. the new contract absolutely positively makes you want to fall in love the lock makes you want to fall in love it, it makes you want to fall in love and you bet your fucking ass there's a miscommunication yeah there's several miscommunications several so we have a four out of fucking four. Look at that. We got, I don't know. Let me pull up my list. I don't know if we've had a four out of four other than what's your number? What? This might be the only other four out of four. Oh, dang. No, there's one more. There's a four out of four, but I haven't talked about it on the podcast yet. Um, the, I'm watching a movie. I'm talking about a movie in two weeks. Ooh. Next week, we're doing... Um, someone great is it called someone great something someone great. great someone great so next week we're gonna do someone great um it's another that's another netflix movie so i guess march was netflix month next will be someone great but the movie after that is a movie called the broken hearts gallery it is on stars you can watch it on stars this movie is a four out of four it has all four things in the checklist If you have, if you read my blog, if you've seen my rom-com checklist, currently I have a tentative 10 score for it. it really? It tentatively has a perfect 10. I have watched this movie. I found out about this movie a month ago. I've watched it three times. 
I'm probably going to watch it tonight while I have to put together my Taylor Swift bracket. So also, by the time you're hearing this, my Taylor Swift bracket will be out. Go to my blog. I'll talk about it in a little bit. I have to put together my bracket, so I'm, I think I'm going to put it on. It is such a good movie. It is a good movie. And it, so I have three, four out of four so far. I only have one confirmed 10 out of 10, which is what's your number. But to all the boys, always and forever is a four out of four rom-com checklist. It's not a 10 out of 10, going to be honest. No. I'm giving it a, what did I give? I gave the first one a 9.2. I'm going to give this one an 7.9. Not quite an 8, but... Uh, 7.9, 7.9. Monique? A solid 7. Solid 7, yeah. It, it's, again, it's a good movie. It's it's not as good as the first one, mm-hmm. but it's also not as terrible as the second. No. I gave the second one a 4, so. Yeah. Tough. Um, it, I, I like the third. It was cute. I will give it that. Yeah, I agree. It's a good, it's a good flick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so all the boys love before three. Highly recommend it. Yeah, I do too. I would watch it. I would read the books. Um, that's it, I guess. Unless you have any final thoughts, Monique. No, I mean I really liked the book series. I think the first movie really got me into it. Mm-hmm. And I was just invested for the long haul, and here we are at the end. Mm-hmm. The first movie really just pulls you in. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the first movie. And then these two, I think, separate from the first movie, I wouldn't have ever liked these. I wouldn't watch them more than once. But I like them because of the first one. Mm-hmm. Like, the character building is really good. Um, so that's it for that. Um, make sure you follow me on social media. Biracial underscore booty on Twitter, biracial booty on Instagram, Sarah underscore Thompson25 on TikTok. Follow my blog, biracial booty. Um, right now on the blog is the Taylor Swift mega March Madness bracket. Every year I do a March Madness bracket with different songs. We've done Jonas Brothers songs, we've done Christmas songs, we've done middle school banger songs. This year it was Taylor Swift, it seemed relevant. And uh, I couldn't pick just 64. So there are 128 songs in this bracket. So by the time that you're listening to this, the first round will be live. So you can vote in the first round. Um, The schedule is also posted on my blog. um, So you can go check that out, see when everything's going to be posted, when the next blogs are going to come out, how you can vote. Um, but so make sure you go to byrushablee.com to check that out so you can keep your favorite Taylor Swift songs in the running because the people decide this. It's not me. It's, it's the people. The people vote. The people are going to choose what the best Taylor Swift song is. So make sure you do that. Um, and then maybe leave me a review. I don't know why I went to a British accent there. A bad one at that. Um, five stars, maybe maybe ignore the British accent. This was a great podcast. If you ignore that weird slip up I had, it's five stars. If you leave a review and a comment um, and then maybe send me that, then I will 
do something for you. I don't know what yet. Maybe just give you like a nice little virtual hug. I'll send you a gif, a meme. I don't know, but you could do that because it'd be nice. So um, we're just going to put the intro song now. It's going to be I Like Me Better because that's a banger and it's in this movie. And yeah, bye! To be young and in love in New York City Do not know who I am but still know that I'm good long as you're here with me To be drunk and in love in New York City Midnight into morning coffee Burning through the hours talking I like me better when I'm with you I like me better when I'm with you I knew from the first time I stayed for a long time Cause I like me better when I like me better when I'm with you Where the room, yeah, got no ceiling If we lay, let the day just pass us by I might get to too much talking I might have to tell you something Damn. I like me better when I'm with you I like me better when I'm with you I knew from the first time I stayed for a long time Cause Me better when 